Good morning everyone, my name's Charles Harmon and I'm one of the leaders at Proximity Church and you are very welcome to join us this morning in July. Um, I just want to share a couple of stories with you and a message that I feel that, that God's put on my heart. It's really simple but I hope it speaks to you today. It's spoken to me and moved me as I've been preparing. So to begin with, I just wanna tell you two short stories. Um, for those of you that know, I head up the, the schools work in, our, in Corringham. We work across two schools, two secondary schools and a primary school, and we've been going for about 10 years now. And um, yeah, here's a couple of stories from the work that I hope will encourage you today. So the first is um, of a student that I met um, for the first time to do some mentoring with. And I knew that she had some mental health um, concerns. And so when I first met with her, um, yeah, I didn't know how that was going to go. But as soon as we sat down, she just poured out her heart. And I could tell that this was someone that felt very lonely. This was someone that felt very heavy. This was someone that had faced real uh, adversity in their life and a question that I often ask in those sorts of situations is how how is your sleep and often I'll expect people to say they really really struggle with their sleep but this girl said well actually I used to struggle with my sleep but I don't now I said oh well that's interesting and really good um, yeah how did you how did that happen she said well I um, I googled it one night I said, um, I'm struggling with my sleep, is there any remedies to, for sleep deprivation? And she came across a blogger on YouTube and the blogger said, I used to really struggle with my sleep but now I can sleep through the night, no problem. And the key to my success was this, saying the name of Jesus again and again and again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And now, whenever I can't sleep, I do that and I can sleep through the night. So this girl was retelling me this story and instantly I'm like, oh my goodness, I was not expecting this. And then she said, that's exactly what she's done. She now sleeps through the night because she's speaking and calling on the name of Jesus. These stories don't happen that often, but that was a particularly awesome time. I remember going back to Scott um, in the school's room and I was just like, Oh my goodness, Scott, you would not believe what I've just said. And the way I kind of ended it with her is I believe that, that Jesus wants to do way more than just give you a good night's sleep. He wants to touch every part of you. He wants to bring you healing in every aspect of your life. So keep calling on the name of Jesus. And the, the second story I want to share with you is, again, another one of our students that we mentor. This boy um, at the time was 14. And um, he's one of those kids that has a bundle of energy and will push you to your absolute brink, but you absolutely adore him. So he, sadly, he didn't even have his own bedroom. He was pushed from one family member to another family member to another family member. Um, he was on the edge of gang life, of crime. Um, he was being asked to, to sell drugs. And um, yeah, we were just part of his journey for a while. And he, um, he came to me, I went and picked him up one day from, from a class and he was like, oh, Charles, you'll never believe what? I was like, what? He said, I've, I've got a Bible. I was given a Bible. Um, and, I, and I, if I'm really honest, the thought did pass my mind, he's probably swiped that from someone, but fair play, it's good read, why not? And I said, oh right, how did you get that then? He said, well, there's a bit of a story really. So he would catch the train and he would often be at Stanford Station. And um, one day he was at the station and he was running, um, I think he'd been in a fight, he had a screwdriver on him and he was chasing after this person. He hopped over the, the barriers there, security guard noticed him, saw him, started running after him and this boy hopped on the train. The next time he's at Stanford Station, this security guard 
um, clocks him straight away. The boy obviously and doesn't have any train fare so he's hopping over the barriers and the security guard starts chasing him. This time boy can't get away, security guard gets him and says, do you pray? And the boy says, um, well, and then he said to me, I do with you sometimes and sometimes when I'm in bed sometimes I pray. So I said to him, yeah, I pray. And then he said, the security guard, do you have a Bible? And I was like, um, no, I don't have a Bible. And the security guard let him go and on the train he gets. Third time this boy is at the station. This time he, I think he has paid or something, but anyway, the security guard comes walking up to him and says, I've got something for you. And out of his bag, he pulls this Bible and gives it to the boy. And the boy um, then says to me, every night he downloaded an app because the Bible's quite hard to read. So he listens to the Bible and then he was reading along with it um, in, his, in his, the Bible that he got given. Jesus chases after us. Jesus wants to heal us. Jesus will leave the 99 in going in search of us. He is a God that reaches out, that rescues, that redeems, that pulls us in. He's a God that's given everything of himself for us and he does that for you. He does that for me and he's doing that for every single person on planet earth. He wants us all. And so um, my prayer is today that you would sense God searching after you, that you would sense God reaching after you, that you would, you would um, sense God longing after you. I pray that, that you would be found in him this morning. There's, um, there's, I've been really sitting in Colossians ever since we had our June prayer week, keep coming back to it. And I absolutely love these verses. You've probably heard me pray them over you before or share them before, but this is the, the bedrock really for me of my faith. It's in Colossians 1. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. He says this, we look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of people. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up until this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the dislocated and broken pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death and his blood that poured down from the cross. I love these verses. To me, this is everything of why I'm a Christian and why I believe in this Jesus. This is everything of where I find my meaning and my purpose and my everything, that I am found in this God that, that is above everything and in everything that I'm connected to this God that brings together all the broken and dislocated pieces in me, 
in my friends, in this town. If you think of those kids, he's bringing them together and he's holding it and he's healing it and he's bringing his wholeness and he's bringing his healing to them. He's causing us to, to become like vibrant harmonies all together. Why? Because he beat death. Not even death could hold him down. We are the resurrection people. We are the ones that can experience life and life in its fullness. We are the ones that can lead others into that place. That boy that I spoke about, he couldn't find family and belonging, but God drew him into something else. That girl that couldn't sleep through the night, she wasn't alone. There was a God that was looking out for her and longing for her healing. I've been reading a lot about submission in the lead up to this talk. Now for some of you, your toes might have just curled and you might have had a shiver gone down your back. Submission is a word that's been manipulated, distorted, abused um, and just wronged. The, the submission we see in Jesus is not about power. The submission we see in Jesus is the freedom to choose. In fact, it's the freedom to give power up freely. In Colossians, we have those long debated verses that talk about wives submit to your husbands, slaves to your master, children to your parents. And I won't dwell on my personal interpretation of those verses, um, but what Richard Foster would say, and I would agree, that the fact that Paul even addresses these people groups, the lowest, the disregarded, the, the outsided, the outcasted, sorry, um, people groups, that he would even address them and, and say to them, this command would be countercultural. It's as, almost as if he's saying to them, you can choose this. Just because it's expected doesn't mean that you don't have a choice in it. And to those in positions of power, he ad admonishes them and he says to them, be fair, be kind, treat those that you're in power over as equals. This is a counter-cultural um, invitation to submission. So submission in its truest sense is a choice. We as Christians and followers of Jesus are invited to submit our lives. And the moment that we give everything of who we are, where we say, God, I'm not holding back. You can have it all. I submit myself and my life to you. At that very moment, there's an exchange that takes place because Jesus has given us everything of who he is. For me, it seems like such an unequal exchange. Everything of who God is for us. We give everything of him and we receive everything of Christ. Because he wants you. Because like that story, he searches after you. He chases you. He reaches out to you. He wants to bring his healing in your life. He wants to bring life to the fullness. In Colossians, um, Paul is urging the church to put Jesus first above all else. To not give in to false gods, to idols, to be led away by false truths. Jesus is the way. Jesus is Lord. Jesus requires everything of who you are, but in exchange you get everything of who he is.
his eternal purposes at work in your life. So say this after me, Jesus has placed an eternal purpose in me. Jesus has placed an eternal purpose in me. You guys know um, that I'm from Birmingham. And when Christy and I first got married, actually my family now have moved to Sheffield and we, for the first couple of years of our marriage, were really debating for a long time whether we would move up north. Now, I've been away from home for a long time, but, but getting married and that desire to, to set down roots really made us question where we were going to do that. I love my family, but they've recently had lots of kids and I adore my nieces and nephews. There's nothing I like more than getting a funny video or a photo of them on my WhatsApp. I want to be around them all the time. And so this was something that we really were praying into and we, we, asked, um, we asked others to pray with us, we were asking God, we had talks and arguments and we really explored this together. And um, it got to the point where we, we realised that we're submitted to something bigger than ourselves. We're caught up in something bigger than our wants and our desires. Now, um, we, we could have gone and just been with family and that would have been fine. But we felt like God had called us to Stanford, that God had called us to proximity. And this was the place that he wanted us to invest in. And so we said, yes, we, we then decided to get the house that we're in and um, yeah, the, the years have gone by and we've seen the fruit of that decision. And there might be a day where we, where we choose to go up north and that's fine, but, but this was the decision. This was what we knew the, the cost of following Jesus meant along the way that there was gonna be some sacrifices. Richard Foster would say that as the, the cross is a sign of submission, so the towel is a sign of service. This picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is one that has always spoke to me. I love it in uh, Matthew 13 where it says, Jesus, knowing who he was and where he was going, got up, took off his outer garment and washed the disciples' feet. Now the disciples were people that were continually arguing who was the greatest. And I love that, that, that little bit um, at the crucifixion when the disciples are running to the grave and it says that one disciple got there faster than the other. I totally relate to this. You will know that I'm a competitive person and I like to win. And I can see in the disciples something of all of us in humanity that wants to be at the top. And maybe not even number one, but please, Lord, don't let us be last. Please don't let us be the most disadvantaged. Please, God, don't let us be the weakest in the room. But Jesus, taking that towel, choosing that position of submission and servitude, gave up his power, gave up his position of privilege. I've often reflected on those um, verses in Isaiah 6. I love it. We get this picture of the throne room of heaven, of, of Jesus on the throne, of, of angels singing continually, holy, holy, holy is he, of creatures not being able to see Jesus because of his holiness, because of his majesty. That Jesus is the same Jesus that takes off his, his garment of royalty and puts on an apron and chooses to get into the dirt of our lives, into the brokenness of our situation, into the darkest parts of the world and serves 
and brings purity and cleanliness and life and love and kindness and healing. Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing where he was going, chose that place of servitude. And this is what I desire for you. We have a course um, that we run in the school's work called MADE and what we, what we say to the kids is, you are made unique and you are made with a purpose. And that's true of us. We are made, we are crafted by Jesus. He's over everything and in everything and he has placed eternal purpose in us. My identity is not in the clothes I wear, is not in the job that I have, is not in what you think of me. My identity is in Jesus. I know where I'm going. I know that one day that there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more death. One day I'll walk hand to hand with Jesus. I know who I am, I know where I'm going. Therefore this world, therefore my life in this moment is given to him. Do I choose that? Do I choose that every moment? No. Do I get it wrong? Yes. But my desire is to have a life of servitude. Does that mean that I'm a walkover? Does that mean that I'm going to get burnt out? No. Because I have to have wisdom and discernment. God placed in all of us a, a need to rest, to have that Sabbath moment, to revitalize ourselves. But God has placed eternal purpose in me and I can be a part of his eternal purposes in others and drawing people into this story. So just to conclude this, this, these thoughts that I have with you, I want to invite you this morning to respond in three ways. First of all, I want to invite you to lift the name of Jesus up in your life to say, Jesus, you are the center. You can have it all. I am caught up in something bigger than myself, my life for your life. It doesn't seem like a fair exchange, but I'm so thankful that I get all of you in me. So I want you to say Jesus over your own lives. And then I want you like that girl to say Jesus over any situations or any parts of you or of your loved ones that need God's healing to come because he wants to bring all those broken and dislocated pieces of the universe into vibrant harmonies. We want to say Jesus over those areas. And the third way I want you to respond is to lift the name of Jesus up in our town and the surrounding towns, to say, Jesus, your will be done. Jesus, your kingdom come. Um, as, as part of the school's work this year, we've introduced a new um, program called 360. And this is to support, um, it's essentially a trauma workshop to support 15 and 14 year olds that have been through real adversity. There is such tangible pain in our town, guys. Our neighbors, the people that we go shopping alongside. There are families that have been caught up in, in addictions, in domestic violence, in, in toxic separations. This town, the surrounding towns are crying out for a savior and we know that savior. So let's lift the name of Jesus up in our town. Um, so I'm going to pray and then I want you to, in your breakout rooms or just in response to this, to have a time of prayer for everything 
absolutely everything above and beyond, visible and invisible, everything gets started in him and finds its place in him. Jesus, I thank you that we are found in you. I thank you that you not only um, have created us, but you've called us and you reach out to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've, you've searched me out. You've longed after me. You've chased after me and you've brought me into something amazing. Jesus, I pray that, that my life would, would be one of service to you. God, I pray that I would freely give as I've been freely given. Help me, God, to choose the position of a servant and not seek after power and seek after privilege. But God, help me to give those things up, to count my life as nothing in comparison to yours. Jesus, I pray over this town and the surrounding towns. I pray your name, your powerful name, Jesus, that you would come and you would bring your healing, that you would come and bring your life and life to the fullness. Jesus, I ask that we would be a people that are part of your kingdom coming in this place. Jesus, I pray that we would see lives transformed. I pray for more stories of, of you reaching out, of you, you chasing after people. I pray that we would, we would see that healing. We would see that reconciliation in our day. Jesus, we love you and we follow you and we give our lives to you. Amen.